That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the DC affiliated podcast with no limits. We are here with a full house tonight. First, uh, let's bang out the round table here. We got um, the man from New York City, the Bat Force Times. We got our friendly Canadian who is uh, the inventor of the You're Welcome cards, Robin Cross. You're very welcome. Out in California, we got Bat Force Tom. Keaton is back, baby. And uh, also in California, Legends of Lego Batman. It's a pleasure, Chip. And joining us from New York City is Teasus. Believe me. And my name is Grandpa Batman. Tonight we have a very special guest that I'm very excited about. I've actually been wanting to uh, have this guest on for quite some time. Um, if you know anything about original artwork, collecting, merchandise collecting, toy collecting, but also graphic design, this man is solely responsible for bringing book cover and publication editing to an art form. Joining us tonight is Chip Kidd. Yes, finally. Hi there. <laughs> How are you doing, Chip? I'm all right. I'm oh. all right. How's that, uh, how's that humidity down there? Well, outside, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> so, in here, it's okay. So, so are you considered a snowbird at this point? Well, I guess that's what they call it, but I've been down here for three months and counting, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a smart man. I, yeah, I stayed up in Gotham, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I would definitely weather some uh, Floridian humidity at this point. I'm going back, and I'm going back up in August. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's better now, but um, if you're down there already, just, <laughs> I just weather it out. But how goes it? Uh, are you? I, I take it you're still working a lot remotely at this point. I am. Yeah, although I, uh, I, I'm in South Florida, I have a place down here, but what I did not have down here was a uh, home office, so I had to, I had to put that together. Oh. Um, but yeah, um, <clears throat> Knockwood, well, I, I work for uh, Penguin Random House, um, is my day job, and um, we, you know, we've been doing okay. Mm. We've been doing okay, and you know, technically, you can design stuff anywhere. It's just, um, it's just when you go to print it out and and all of that stuff that you wish you were back. I wish I was back in the office. Yeah. What? How? What? How do you see print right now? It's its role in this pandemic slash post pandemic world we're in right now. I think it's just as important as it's ever been, but I but it's it's harder it's harder to get. Like if you want your comic book right away then i guess you'll download it but um i'm i'm all about the thing i want to hold in my hand and i and i always have been and and when i started um, designing books that was the whole point to me was to design a book as an object i wonder if this uh this climate we're in now is going to make people even 
I'm more inclined to want something, you know, tact to tangible, something to hold in the hand and look at and open. And our 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 sales indicate that that is what's going on. Yeah, I'm I'm very grateful, grateful. People they want their books and they want to read. So for people who may not have been following your work as long as some of us have, uh, which is most of the population of the world. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> that uh, that doesn't really uh, that isn't really the case with our listeners though. Uh, okay. I'm sure uh, All right. the majority of our listeners do know very well who you are, but some of the younger ones, uh, you know, who don't know most of the stuff that that we're fans of, uh, to catch some of them up. So obviously, to to most of us, you're responsible for creating one of the most recognizable symbols in pop culture history. You know, if, if for anyone who doesn't know, before Jurassic Park was a series of mega successful films it came from uh, a novel by my, my by michael crichton and you designed the cover art for that which went on to be used for all of the the movie posters and it, it has become the symbol that when anyone sees that symbol now that skeleton of the t-rex they immediately know oh that that's jurassic park right. but so years before this ever comes up, what was the thing that led you to that road of thinking, okay, this, this is what I want to do. I want to do graphic design. I, I want to create this art. I, that's a really good question. I would say probably from when I was a very, very little kid, and it, it started with comic books. Uh, <clears throat> comic books for me was one of the – I mean, I didn't think about it at the time, but – it was one of the most communicative forms of graphic design because, you know, you can be two or three years old and even if you can't read, you can get the story. You can you can sort of like figure out some, that something's going on. And, and you know, at the time we're talking for me, that's like late 60s, late 1960s into early 1970s and, and beyond. And so, you know, I remember uh, th there were. Obviously, it's not like now, um, and that was one way. That was a great way to get a story. What was it that do you remember the first comic you read? Oh man, um, I remember. There's that I can, and I can't remember if it's Batman or Detective, <laughs> but there's that cover where I think like Batman's being tugged in two directions, one by I think Batgirl and the other by Catwoman. Um, and, and then there's that one poison Ivy cover, uh, where I think he's like laying on the, on the ground splayed out. Like I, I, those were the first ones that I remember seeing. These would have been like 1968, 1969. Some of your first comic books were Batman. Now for the, for our, oh, young, yeah, yeah, yeah. For our young listeners that might not know, Chip Kidd is one of the most notable Batman collectors in the world. He's been his collection has been documented and displayed. And me and Gramps and a lot of us had the and Teases had the fortune of going to the um, was it the Society of Illustrators um, presentation yes. that you threw yeah. on, and that was yeah. to actually see uh, parts of your collection in the flesh before us was just absolutely amazing. I mean, we saw some original uh, Dark Knight Returns pieces, some commissions, some, and that's just the tip of the iceberg <clears throat> of your of you know, your collection, what have you been collecting since you started reading comics all the way back then? And what it what is it about Batman in general that continues to draw your interest so prolifically? Well, I, um, it's so hard to answer that question. I mean, I think we all have our own 
um, reasons for being so intrigued by the Batman mythology. Um, it speaks to so many different kind of like aspects of society and us and um, besides just being a great sort of escapist escapist fantasy. Um, but I was I was collecting Batman stuff since I was a little kid, but um, you know, I try to take care of it and not let it get like broken. but um, you know, you you sort of like lose stuff and what have you. but um, I ha I still have my Batman lunchbox from 66 from when I was a kid and it's filled with stuff in it that from from when I was little but I <clears throat> I think I started like seriously collecting when I was in um, when I was in college and that would have been the first half of the 1980s and then I came um, I, I studied graphic design at Penn State University I grew up in so southeastern Pennsylvania and um, but then when I graduated college, I beelined it for New York. So I got I got to New York the fall of 1986, um, which was, you know, um, when in com comics wise, I mean, that was such a pivotal year, um, Dark, Dark Knight and Watchmen. And um, the first piece of original comic book art that I bought was at a um, it's at a New York show at the Hotel Pennsylvania um, <laughs> and I would I'd say that would have been like 87 or 88 and and I, I can't remember who but this one guy had a bunch of original art from Dark Knight Returns <laughs> and you know I, I was on a starter salary with you know, and I, I can see it to this day, like stuff that I could have gotten like back then for a thousand bucks. But to me, that was like, that was a fortune. Like I, I, I couldn't afford that. So the first thing I got um, was this page, you know, the, the, the super famous page where, um, where Batman in number three, where Batman and Carrie Kelly are, are, you know, soaring over the city. Right. Um, it's, it's the page facing that. <laughs> you didn't yeah. get the money shot it's a perfectly nice page but you know damn but I, rem I, rem I can say I remember at the time it was 425 bucks damn. And, what the fuck well alright but when you're 22 and you're making 16k a year that and living in New York City <laughs> that's, that's a chunk of change that's a Eating chunk of change but even two months back, or, yeah I'd go with the Dark Knight yeah you I can't mean, even, even get back that page for 16k now. That was, that was special. That that's second best to getting the Todd McFarlane uh, soup can. Soup can? Yeah, did didn't McFarlane ink uh, a can in the supermarket scene? He was saying. Oh, I, <laughs> you know more than you know more than I do. You he said he said when he was a young up and coming artist, um, he was hanging out, and Klaus, you know, kind of passed off some of the work, you know deadline wise and all this stuff to um some younger assistants and he actually got to ink that one of the opening scenes and panels in book three where he's dressed up as the street woman wow so i've never heard i've never heard this yeah yeah he, we uh, had taught on uh, a few months ago and we uh we squeezed the story out of him <laughs> yeah yeah todd was Good spilling the beans that, that's awesome that is awesome. I didn't hear that. That's so great that you own those P DKR. There was a whole story about how they 
travel to different parts of the world to get original scans of that book to put the, together the gallery edition and they're still searching oh did they scan any of yours i take it for the oh gallery? sure yeah 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 and of course i'm blanking on his name but the guy who um owns graffiti um graffiti designs he was the real force behind that gallery edition mm. and um he 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 did an he did an amazing job and he he came to my apartment he came to my apartment and scanned them and the scans were not good so then i i took because um <clears throat> i have you know i have two pages and for better or worse long ago i framed them together mm. so it's i mean you saw it at the society of illustrators and mm -hmm. uh um, the other page I got much later is one of in one of the fight scene pages at the end of three with Batman and the Joker, and so we he scanned them for the graffiti edition and it because I, I wasn't going to take them out of the frame, um, and then that didn't work so I took them down to um, my colleague Jeff Spears photo studio in Soho and we shot we shot them professionally like Jeff can shoot through glass so you can't see the glass so. That's what we did. Nice. I'm guessing that second page was more than 425 bucks. Yeah, but you know what? Not that much more. Really? Um, yeah, it was really. Does anybody remember the buyer's guide for comic fandom? <laughs> of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, or you were all too young. Uh, you know, this would have been probably the late 80s. Mm. And I, I, I don't know why. I was just scanning it and somebody had that listed in the back of the buyer's guide, you know, in tiny little type and I, and with, with a really decent price on it. And I thought, I don't believe this is real. <laughs> so I think there was a phone number and I called him up and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, so I sent him a check and I thought if I, you know, if I lose the money, I lose the money. Well, it's, it was real. Wow. It hmm. was real. And, um, I waited in line at Village Comics for three hours to get Frank to sign it for me. Mm. Yeah, I remember that story. We, wow. We, we've all yeah. been there waiting for Frank to sign things. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for putting in that, uh, that extra effort to get the pages scanned for that book. A, a few of us own that gallery edition, and it's fantastic. Yeah. It really is fantastic. I mean, it's a shame. I mean, what a job. To, to, what a, what a um, scavenger hunt to find all that stuff because yeah. it's just scattered all over the world. Yeah, a lot, of it, a lot of it was found in the Philippines as well, if uh, I remember correctly. There's a different podcast that I listen to, and, and one of them, one of the episodes was with Frank Miller's art dealer back then in the 80s and i'll and he was the guy that you probably met that was selling all these pieces and during his interview he discloses that some of the pieces he wasn't really authorized to sell and didn't know that and kind of had a falling out with frank over selling some of those pages um it's a pretty fascinating listen to yeah i mean those kinds of stories are just very very common um yeah. I don't mean with Frank, but I mean, I, well, you saw, I have a classic page by Neil Adams from the Joker's five way revenge. Same thing. I think it was, I think it was the back of the, the buyer's guide and that wasn't all that much money. And I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem real either. And, but it was, and it's like, Oh my God, it's Batman in the tank with the shark and the wheelchair and like, <laughs> holy 
Dick Giordano signed it too. And I was just thinking, I'll bet, I'll bet Neil Adams doesn't know <laughs> that, that this is, is a wall. Wow. You have, I think you have some nice Kingdom Come pieces as well, right? Original. Yes. Now all of all of that is quite legit, um, and that's actually how I met Alex for the first time there. Um, I forget when Kingdom Come came out, what year it was, but there was, um, I had just come to New York and there was a comic book art gallery in Soho called the Four Color Gallery. Mm. And they, he got lined up with them and they, they had two art shows of King, Kingdom Come originals. And again, like it was like right at the beginning. I mean, the book had come out, obviously, but um, you know, it hadn't like shot up the way the way it was going to. But um, well, okay, this is one thing that was not in the um, in the Society of Illustrators show. Um, that is how I got the cover for number three for Kingdom Come number three. Mm. And I remember at the time I was like, oh my god, that's a lot of money. But I just thought. <laughs> All right, clean clean out your savings and just get it because <laughs> you're, you're, you know you're going to have it for the rest of your life, and uh, you know I miss it. You know all my you know I want to go back up into New York and and just look at it. <laughs> and and anyway, that's how I met Alex, and then and then we eventually started working together. Yeah, you guys been uh, working a lot, of, especially at conventions. Really nice presentation for those. Uh... I think it was was it was it a print signing with the book or a New York Comic Con? But... New York Comic Con last year, you guys uh, came down. Yeah, uh, for Marvelocity. Oh, just as, uh, on a side note, uh, one of um, the most popular. I guess it, it's uh, due to our listeners and fans who've been asking a question for a while. But have there been any possibility or rumblings about possibly reprinting or republishing a uh, Batman animated, which has been come like a cult uh -oh. classic for uh, so many. Yeah. All right. So here's the story on that. Oh. Um, and, I mean, it's not an interesting story, but um, so that was 19, that book came out in 1998. And so again, my friend Jeff Spear, we shot it at the Warner Brothers TV um, animation studios probably a year before. So it, it would have been the summer of 1997. And we shot everything on um, what's called four by five film which is actual film and you know worked with bruce tim and paul dini and everyone there it was really great it was a great a great experience but again it was it was a real like scavenger hunt for me to decide like what that book was going to be because you know it i didn't want it to look like a style guide for the show it, it, it was it was supposed to be more about you know was all the art that has to get made by hand before you can actually begin shooting it so when I started asking for storyboards and they're like, what do you want those for? <laughs> and I'm like, because I want to see them. <laughs> Some of them are just gorgeous. And, and you know, Bruce, Bruce Tim did a couple of storyboard sequences by hand himself that are like historic comic book worthy. And so they're all in there. Um, all right. So we published simultaneous hardcover and paperback. Technically, the publisher was HarperCollins. The, you know, the book came out, like I said, in 1998. And and I remember at the, 
the end where they were there in California and and Bruce is like, oh, man. So, you know, the suits want Batman to be a teenager in the next series. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And he's like, yeah, you know, I I have to do it. I have to do it. And I said, that's the stupidest idea that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, I know, but I think I'm going to set it in the future. Nice. So, so you know, Bruce Wayne's going to be really old, and he's going to have to train this kid to be the new Batman. And, I, and my eyes are, like, rolling out of my head. Like, that is the <laughs> shittiest idea I've ever heard. And, and he drew, and it, he let us shoot these preliminary sketches of this thing that was going to be called Batman Beyond. And I was just like, that is so going to tank. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't sugarcoat it. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I, sometimes I have a crystal ball and sometimes I do not. So, um, but what, a, what an amazing talent he is. It's uh, just, uh, it's just astonishing. And it's been so interesting to see what's, become of that property since like it's so beloved and and um developed and um it's got its own fan base it's, it's just great it's just great but anyway i'm digressing so Chip, did you uh, did you hear about related to that just today they announced that uh michael keaton is in talks to come back as a some form of bruce wayne an older bruce wayne as a mentor figure in the in the flash movie yeah oh, Flash movie. Yeah, oh, so flash, no, I didn't. See, I haven't seen any kind of news feeds on stuff today. So. Yeah, so so even even still, that Batman Beyond stuff is still kind of inspiring some stuff that's happening now. Well, as well it should, you know, as well it should. Anyway, the 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 Batman animated book went into multiple printings, and then uh, then the I think the option lapsed with Harper Collins. And because when you it's called licensed publishing, so you you get what's called a term, and if they don't want to renegotiate the term, then it's done. And so apparently DC did not, and so Batman Animated went out of print. And then I don't know, years went by, and then there was a revival and in interest in the show, and DC came back to me and said, "We want to reprint this book." And I said, "Well, don't look at me. Go to Harper Collins." did not have the films anymore to print it. I don't know why, I don't know why, but they didn't. And there it go, and there it lies. You know, it's, we still have all the film that Jeff shot, but you would have to meticulously go back and recreate the entire book. And if somebody wants to throw a, a chunk of money at me to do that, it would probably be fun, but, um, that's that hasn't happened yet. And there's been so much that's happened since then in, in the animation world. Like I one of my favorite shows ever was the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon. Uh, that I, I want to do a book on that. Mm. But but, you know, they're they're like, who's the audience? <laughs> like, you know, me. I'm sure we can, <laughs> me, you know, it's like, all right, you if you get you times 100,000, then we've got something. So, you know, it's just it's it's not so easy to do these things uh do you uh, you you worked on an episode of brave and the bold did you not well only in so far as they did an animated sequence of batmanga which um 
which was just so incredible. That manga was another thing I wanted to ask you about. So uh, the story that I always understood was that uh, David Mazzucchelli had become aware of the existence of these Japanese uh, Batman stories. And uh, by th- through some process, it came into your hands to, to take over that job. How, how did that go down exactly? Um, that's pretty much the story. Um, David has been a, a dear friend forever, and he was literally visiting me in my office one day. Let's see. This would have been in probably the early 2000s, I want to say. And he had he did a residency in um, he did some sort of cartoonist's residency in Tokyo uh, for like a year or two years. And his hosts, David Mazzucchelli is the J.D. Salinger of Batman. Like he did like the greatest Batman story and then and then just kind of backed away from it and said, I'm never doing this again. And I'm going to go work on other kind of comics projects. Um, but his host sort of like found out that he was this great Batman artist. And they said, you know, we used to have our own version of Batman, but nobody could sort of like show him anything. But what he said to me was, it's by this guy named Jiro Kawada, who did something in the early 60s called Ape Man. And Ape Man was turned into a very early Japanese anim- black and white anime cartoon that was broadcast in the States uh, when I was a kid and we used to watch it. And it's absolutely amazing. Like if you go on YouTube, you can see a couple episodes of Eighth Man. Um, never, it otherwise never made it to the States uh, in terms of a film or anything like that. But the concept is basically RoboCop. And the RoboCop people completely stole the idea from Eighth Man. But it's beautifully drawn and beautifully designed. And I was like, oh, my God, if this if the guy who did Eighth Man did Batman, I need to find that. I need to I need to figure out if that really did exist and where to get it. And again, we're talking the early 2000s. So the web existed, but not the way it does today. And 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 I was trying to research this stuff with just no luck at all and then um but i was collecting japanese batman toys from the 60s -hmm. and i didn't realize they were connected that they were related and it all and it all um led back to the 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 adam west tv show and when the adam west tv show was released in japan it, it had a similar effect there that it did here and so there was one publisher that bought the rights from DC to create their own Batman stories. And they did it for about a year and a half. So I, I was able to track these down eventually with the help of a guy named Saul Ferris. He had seen that I was buying something, a Japanese Batman toy that was inauthentic and I was paying a lot of money. And so he wrote to me cause you used to be able to do that back in those days and saying, um, you don't know me, but you're going to get reamed. Uh, and I'm like, all right, well, thank you. Who are you? <laughs> and he's like, my name is Saul Ferris, and I'm a, a personal injury injury lawyer in Chicago, and I'm obsessed with Japanese Batman. And so he and I found this stuff, and um, it was, you know, it was amazing. And that so that eventually became the Batmanga book. And then when the um, the Brave and the Bold guys they were doing a Batman Strange's Cases episode, and 
so they did Batman and Rubin from Mad Magazine, and then they did Batmanga. And um, so they made a 15-minute sequence of Batmanga that looks like Eighth Man only in color. Um, and it's, it's sort of duotone color. It's not like full color. But but they came up with a theme song and the whole bit. It was, it, it's just brilliantly, brilliantly done. Was it was he referring to the Nomura Batman, I believe, the wind-up piece? That's one of the most well-sought-after uh, Japanese Batman yeah, toys. There's the Nomura, and it's Batman and Robin. And, um, yeah, and they have these skinny legs. And it's weird because Batman is the, or Robin is the same height as Batman. Um, but they're really, really, really cool toys. They're beautifully. I think they're wind up. Yes, they are wind up. They're, okay, there's, there's a couple of different varieties. They're wind up. They're the most valuable. But there's one that's battery operated with a light in his chest um, that lights up. And um, then there's one where his head lights up. Mm. There's like three main Japanese Batman robots. Uh, but just to cut back on the, the Salinger reference, I totally agree with you. And then I remember that I think me and Teases, we noticed you at the uh, the art and design signing from Maza Kelly. I think it was in February when he was doing right, it. Yeah, right before all this uh, excitement happened. Wow. Yeah, we wanted to come say hi, but we were online at the same time. To see him, and I'm like, fuck, we're gonna lose our place. But two kids running around. <laughs> that was that was such an amazing experience, and he, that was like the last Comic Con thing that I did before. That, exactly. That was before For before the COVID, and he, um, I think it's online somewhere. But he he did like a 30 minute just astonishing, and they did film it, and it's just great. It's it's all about. I mean, what a great what a great mind he is and talent and what a great teacher and speaker, um, you know, and it, it was an amazing opportunity to see him. Mm. Yeah. He doesn't see any... No, he doesn't. Um, you'd have to take his class at the school of visual arts to otherwise see him do that. Cause he doesn't do conventions. Mm. Yeah, we were lucky to see him right before the world pretty much went on pause. So speaking of comics and print um, in my hands, I have, Batman Death by Design with you and a Dave Taylor, gorgeous book. And wondering, do you still have more Batman stories in you for in the foreseeable future? Is there any more that you would want to tell, or is this the I one? Have you have? A, I have a zillion of them, and I have no idea how to approach DC Comics about doing it. Um, my main contacts there were Mark Chiarello and Dan DiDio, uh. and I, I um, I mean, I'm, I'm on really good terms with Jim Lee. But he's a busy guy, and I, you know, I'm I, I'm un, I'm unambitious that way. Like I have, there's a there's a ton of more Batman stories I would love to tell with specific artists in mind, and um, I just I don't know whose door to knock on for mm. that. Well, it, it'll be nice if they'll reach out to you because, uh, especially at this current time, uh, if you have numerous stories in your mind, uh, I think Black Label would be a great place for you to be able to tell any story you you can think of. Mm. I um, and that's the thing. I'm spoiled because on pretty much all my projects, they came to me and said, "We want you to do this. Would you do it?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And it's so I'm I'm shitty at pitching stuff. Like I have a great idea for a Joker story. And I know exactly who I want to draw it. Um, uh, you know, 
Batman hits Joker so hard that he can't remember who he is. And uh, in the meantime, he set up this whole sort of thing where someone's going to die if they don't help them in time, but he can't remember and etc. cetera. Um, if you want to uh, name drop the artist you have in mind, maybe it gets back around to them and gets the ball rolling. Well, that's the problem. It's nobody you've ever heard of. Um, <laughs> try me. Um, uh, yeah, all right, I'll try you. It's a guy named Lars Letaro. Oh, Lars, and, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> 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 uh, the only I know is from the movie Heavyweights. Uh, he's, he's a brilliant illustrator out of Philadelphia, and... You know, this whole other thing that I've been working on is the Batman black and white cover project. And I've just, for the last, what, seven years, I've just used it as a means to reach out to artists who I love, <laughs> who either have drawn Batman a lot or not at all, and to get them and to get them to do it. Mm. Um, and he's one of them. I used to see his work in the New York Times, and I just thought, this guy has such a brilliant command of line, and, and I... It reached out to him. I said, would you, you know, draw Batman for me? And the result was so stunning that I just thought, oh, man, you, you, you've got to do a graphic novel. It's just, you'd be perfect for this. I, so, I'm looking at some of his work right now, and yeah, that, that would be fantastic for Batman. Can you, uh, uh, I'm impressed. Can you see his Batman black and white cover for me at all online? Is that, it should be online someplace. And he's sort of like perched on a on a um, on a chimney top. Uh, yep, I, I see it. I mean, do you not want to see a whole book by that guy? Yeah, that that would be amazing. So do you like to collect just published artists, or does it does it just anybody that catches your eye, especially nowadays with social media being able to find a lot of new talent out there? Well, I I'm completely open. Like the whole Batman black and white cover project it's really like opened up my head as an art director to reconnect with actual Ill, uh, pen and ink illustrators or painters or what have you. Um, it's just been a way for me to kind of like wake myself back up to the fact that there are still all of these amazing illustrators out there, some of whom are up and coming. The latest one that I've connected during the quarantine is a guy named Tyler Bentz. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is amazing. He's absolutely amazing. And so he's gonna, He's doing a black and white cover for me as as we speak. And and seems like a really great guy. You yeah, know, he is. You, he's really solid. Cool guy. Yeah. yeah. I've been talking with that guy for a couple of years. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to talk him into doing a graphic novel at some point. Oh. I second that. that. I second that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's exciting to to find new talent, um, and I'm so often late to the table. But you know, that is what Comic Con is for. Like, I wanna, I wanna walk down Artist Alley for four days and just see people and meet people, and and it's like, oh my God, I didn't know you existed, but you're great, and uh, that's what it, that's what it's for. Oh my God! There it is, right? Right? Yeah, yeah I just threw it up in chat for everyone to see. How good is that? Nice. How good is that? That is solid. Now, in with your process and design, you approach so many everything differently. I like everything straight to the drawing board and a different concept and a way of thinking for each everything you design in terms of book jackets and so on and so forth. 
What that is correct. It's very important. What was going? What's what was going? What was the process like when oh. you were deciding on your Dark Knight Three Master Race variant cover? I was always curious about that. Oh man! I mean, it almost designed itself. Like I went back. My memory told me that all right, when the mutant scratched Batman's chest in the fight in number two. Mm. He left three scratch marks. Right. And so I went back and I looked, and sure enough, he did. And then I thought, well, there it is. Mm. There it is. And um, so that was, so I thought, all right, I need to paint this myself. Um, and I went to the art store and got my brushes and got my paint <laughs> tubes. And at the time, um, the Batman three number one blank variant had come out. So I bought a couple of them and I used it and I painted right directly on that. Oh, okay. okay. Um, just, you know, for karma, mm. uh, um, it just, it just made sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there it was, you know, and I have, you know, I have to say like DC and then that was Mark Chiarello. And, you know, it was a dream job and, um, the, the, you know, I just did it, sent it to them and they said they loved it. Like that was it. There wasn't any other ideas that I had for it. Mm, yeah. I was like, wow, look at that, that texture, the way, I don't know. It was just, it was so interesting. Well, that, that's, again, that's Jeff photographing it. Mm. Now going back do to, do you still uh, have that original cover? Yes, I do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> It was out on display at the Society of Illustrators. That's right. It was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Circling back to uh, your Death by Design book, mm -hmm. one the uh, the cover and interior page where he's punching Joker was on at the Society of Illustrators. So right. anyone yeah. who got to see that in person, that was an amazing, amazing experience. How did you get together with Dave Taylor to create this book? Okay, so what happened was. Um, and I can't, again, I can't remember the year, but it is on YouTube. I was asked to interview Neil Gaiman on stage for the 25th anniversary of the Sandman or whatever year it was. I think I'm pretty sure it's 25. And this was at a place in New York called the 92nd Street Y, which is this really terrific venue that gets writers to present their work. And they asked me to do it. And I'm like, oh, my God. I would love to. And so I'm interviewing Neil on stage and somehow we started geeking out about Batman. Had a really nice conversation. And then afterwards, backstage, Dan DiDio came up to me and said, which was kind of surprising to me, given my track record. He's like, I, you know, I had no idea you were such a Batman fan. And I'm like, uh, isn't that public knowledge by now? <laughs> and he's like, you should do a Batman graphic novel for us. And I'm like, you know, don't say that unless you really mean it. And he's like, yeah, I mean it. Just send us a proposal. And I, and it was it was like this dream come true, but it's also sort of a nightmare because. It's like, all right, this is the chance of a lifetime. What the hell story am I going to tell? And, and 
you know, what do I want to see as a fan that I haven't seen? And that's hard. And it kind of grew from there. And um, I'm a huge Fritz Lang fan. And I'm a huge Hugh Ferris fan. Um, these are, I mean, they're two very different people, two very different artists. But, um, you know, I've been memorized, mesmerized by the um, silent movie Metropolis since I was a kid. And like, oh, my God, if this can only actually be about Metropolis and, you know, superheroes. And, um, and then this guy, Hugh Ferris, was an architectural renderer from the 20s and 30s that that Bruce Tim took a lot of um, inspiration from for the look of Gotham City for Batman the Animated Series. And so like that to me was going to form the look of whatever this was going to be. It was going to be like a movie. It was going to be, and I remember as a kid seeing old 1930s movies, black and white movies on TV thinking, oh, why can't there be a great old black and white Batman movie? Um, and I mean, there was in the forties, but it's not so great. But anyway, I tried to envision like whatever the art direction of this story is going to be that, and then you had to figure out, all right, so then what's the story? And in New York, um, I think in the early 2010s, there was, um, there were the, the series of mysterious, um, construction crane collapses in in Manhattan and it it was just amazing like there were one after the other where this big giant fucking crane would just fall onto the street and just obliterate everything in its path and kill people Ooh. and it was like well, why the fuck did that happen <laughs> yeah, seriously. and then it kept happening and I'm like I'm, you know, Batman geek that I am. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, if Bat, if Bruce Wayne really existed, he'd really be on this. Mm, there's he a would, crime, and you got to right. solve it, right? Yeah. This inner city payola corruption um, is what. But nobody was convicted. It was like, holy, there were trials, but it was just amazing. And so there was that, and then there, um, if you live in. Manhattan um, for a while. Eventually, you have to either go in or out of Penn Station, and you realize that it's the worst, shittiest experience of your life, and it's one of the the most traveled transit hubs on the East Coast. It's the most traveled transit hub on the East Coast, and it's just this piece of shit um, basement <laughs> basement of Madison Square Garden, and then. When you look at the original Penn Station, uh, it's just so soaring and glorious and beautiful. And what happened was in the early 1960s, you know, before there was anything like a Landmarks Commission, these people who wanted to build Madison Square Garden said, we're going to tear this place down and, you know, rebuild it as this shitty basement and then make Madison Square Garden, Madison Square Garden. And so as odd as it sounds, like I was like, what if these two kinds of urban crimes were related? And what if it ha all had to do with Bruce Wayne and his father, Thomas, and that family's legacy in the 1930s? And so that was my pitch. 
and I had a couple of ideas of people who I wanted to draw it. Um, and I, this was me going back and forth with Mark Chiarello, who was the editor and art director, who I really think he's a great guy. I'm sorry he's not there anymore. Uh, eventually, Dave Taylor's name came up. And he did anybody ever see his or Robin origin that Denny O'Neill wrote? It's amazing. And RIP Denny O'Neill, by the way. Um, it's fantastic. And I had seen it and was very, very taken by it. And I said, this guy would be great. I think this guy would be really great. And Mark knew that he was totally, his uh, Dave Taylor's father was an architect and um, and he was totally into architecture. And this, this story was gonna be very much about architecture. So Dave could sit and draw a building and which would become in the story Wayne Central Station, and it kind of it kind of went on from there. But all of Dave's art was done in pencil, and then he would digitally hand it in, and then digitally ink it, but also make make it look like it was still done by hand. One thing that I loved about um, this book, you know, you mentioned Dave Taylor and his architectural background, and like the the acknowledgments of the book in the very beginning, it shows a picture of you know old Wayne Central. And in, in the corner it says, "After Tulsa's Boston Avenue Methodist Church." Yeah, I grew I grew up in Oklahoma. I've driven by that church a thousand times. Wow! And I, I just really thought that that was really cool to see something kind of not my hometown, but where I'm from in this book. Well, that that's all Dave. That is all Dave. Um, you know, I basically described what I thought this thing should look like, and then he did he did the research. And said, I think we should base it on this building. And I said, great. You know, uh, that looks that looks great to me. Before we wrap it up, have you um have you been reading like the current stuff with Batman in DC? Have you been keeping up or have you just been like really busy? With it? <laughs> uh hmm. How do I say this diplomatically? Um <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think of the most recent Batman comics I've read. I I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't get this uh, Batman <clears throat> the left scene with the thing around his head with the <laughs> points poking out. I, I don't get that. I don't know what that is. It doesn't appeal to me. Mm. I think it's grotesque and unpleasant. Um, have you read any of the Tom King Rebirth stuff? I have not. Um, I've read interviews with him, and he seems like a great guy, um, very interesting guy. But no, I have not. I'm trying to think. Really, the the most recent Batman thing I read was The Golden Child. Oh, and, okay. Um, the uh, one, is that the one shot of Frank Miller with Carrie Kelly? Yeah. 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 Nice. And I guess before, you know, I mean, all Frank all the time. And before that, DK3. Mm. Um, yeah. The artwork in The Golden Child was absolutely outstanding. Yes. Is that Raphael, and, uh, Raphael Grandpa, right? Yeah. Okay, hey, <laughs> we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this. Yeah, this is yeah. actually pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Because yeah. for years I wanted to talk to you, and then I didn't know how to get in touch with you. And then all of a sudden, after Golden Child, That's gorgeous. I, Golden Child came out, I get this DM from Chip Kidd. And he's like talking about a commission. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were him. I, I was like, I was like, Griff, we're gonna commission shit. you some Texas barbecue. <laughs> I was like showing these guys. I was like, 
dude, Chip Kidd just asked me for reason why I thought that. Oh, that's that. gorgeous. Look at that. Wow, I've seen that. That's that's amazing. Oh, that's around gorgeous. the reason why I thought this chip is because around Christmas time I made like some <laughs> sketch covers for some guys and had them on my thing. Holy shit, he saw this. Words getting out. Yeah, words getting out. I'm hot. And then Robin says, "I think thinks you're Raphael Grandpa." And I'm like. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, what else am I supposed to think? I mean, Don't worry, he's he's been called worse. <laughs> Chip, I'll offer you four hundred bucks for that. <laughs> all right, hey man, it's it's like nineteen eighty six all over again. <laughs> yeah, Raphael Grandpa's great. What an amazing guy! I I um my first the first time I noticed his work was the cover of um, Marvel Strange Tales. Mm. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it, <laughs> it it was just so interesting, all this stuff he was doing to the costumes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, he's just he's just incredible. Yeah, I love his, yeah. his black and white statue is really nice, too. He's, I think he's from Brazil, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. He's in Brazil, and he, and he is very followable on Instagram, and mm. I... He seems like a really cool guy. Frank adores him. Mm, yeah. uh, do you collect all the black and white statues as well? I do not. I I uh, I mean I I I'm so impressed with the vast array of them, and so many of them are just absolutely brilliant. I have, you know, I have Darwin Cooks, um, and R.I.P. Darwin Cook. I mean, mm. holy lip. Shit. I mean, what a great, great artist mm. and writer. What a great writer he was. And uh, he was so nice to me. And um, mm. and I have, you know, I have Mazzucchelli's. And, you know, they did one that I did with um, Tony Millionaire, which oh, you were yeah. probably totally unaware of. Yeah. And it's, it's, very, it's very wonky and very funny. Yeah, but, I, have, I have um, that one. That one's cool. I like it because it's, it's like a... Almost like distorted and almost monstrous, but cool and abstract. I was yeah, digging, I was digging that one. Totally insane. Mm. Last, I guess, last year at San Diego Comic Con, you know, they have this new Comic Con museum in San in San Diego, and they for the opening part of the show was they had they showed every single one of them, um, the black and white statues all together on one wall and it it, it was really quite something mm. um yeah they had that life-size mcfarlane one too huh that's oh, right that's right yeah and what uh what a uh an enterprise to gather all of those together uh, i was speaking to jim fletcher at the con and dc does dc direct dc comics and nowhere in the company do they own a full collection of all of the statues so they Which had started, bor- yeah, right. They had started borrowing them from employees and friends, bringing them in. But that's so typical. Like <laughs> when when I not to non sequitur, but like when I when I put the proposal for Batmanga together, Paul Levitz was still the editor in chief, and I had about forty pages of material and but and the cover that really what became the actual cover. And I just, you know, I got an audience with him and I sat in his office and I'm like, here. And he's looking at this thing. And after about five or 10 minutes, he said, I've never seen this before in my life. 
this is amazing. <laughs> Do we own this? And it's you know, just like, how can you not have this in your archive? How, you know, I've been in the DC archive many times. It's like, how can it be incomplete? How can you be this institution in America and not have everything? But they don't. Mm. Do you think we'll get a Chip Kid Batman museum one day? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I know I know you get a lot of re requests for tours and in, in, for your collection and whatnot. And I just think maybe one day it'll be who knows. It would be quite a, a small museum. Um, that's a really good question. I don't. I need to figure out where all this stuff is going to end up because I don't want to sell it, and I um, you know I don't want it to just all go into storage like at the end of Raiders of the of the Lost Ark. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know it's a really good question especially with these batman black and white covers because there's about 150 of them now wow and shit. they represent an incredible range of artists and designers and thinkers and um it's just it's i want all of those to go to one place like you know mm. in my heart i would love to, them to go to the smithsonian but um only if they'd be interested. We haven't had that conversation yet. I have absolutely no idea. Mm. Well, that's that would be a cool place for them to go, though. Have you ever yeah. thought of maybe making that into a book one day? As yes. Because um, so, I can see it translate effortlessly. Yeah. You know? For years, I had been wanting to try and turn it into a book. I want to try and do um, in the next couple of years is just self-publish it. So there's no censorship. And I could get to include everything and just make it just so there's a record of it. But I, you know, but I won't be able to sell it. So it'll have to be some kind of charity project for, for somebody. But yes, I have to collect them in a book because you, yeah. these all have to be seen together to be believed. It's amazing. Well, thanks again for everything, Chip. Um, thanks. Thanks for your time. We have been wanting to talk with you for years. Um, we have talked about you for years and you are one of the prime figures, not only in the, the graphic design world, but the, the world of Batman fandom and, and comic book fandom in general. You're a great advocate for it, and people who really love this medium truly recognize that and, and what you add to it. So um, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we look forward when you get back up to New York and back to your collection. Well, thank you, and I appreciate it, and you know, my heart's in it. I love this stuff. I love this stuff more than anything. I hope that, I hope that shows in the work. Oh, it always does. Absolutely. always does. So you take care, Ch Chip Kid, and we'll be in touch soon. All right. <laughs> take Thanks, Chip. Take care. Okay, good night. good night. Hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.